And we're looking in verse 13 tonight. And we're going to talk about what is commonly called the belt of truth. We have got, we're, we're getting into the armor of God. We talked about it last week. And now we're going to share the first piece of that armor, the belt of truth. Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We've come off, we've come off of a very, con, uh, a very serious consideration of the wiles of the devil last week. I didn't have many lighthearted analogies. I didn't have maybe a, a story that might be a little comical, but for the reason, though, ultimately of getting a point across, it wasn't like that. We were pretty serious about the deception of the devil and and for good reason because he's out to destroy every single one of us and we're no match for him in our own ability on our own and with that being the case we have a tendency to revert back to to doing things in our own ability in our own way, in our own strength. We are no match for our enemy in the flesh. You know, we, we shared during vacation Bible school, David and Goliath one night. Brother John recently talked about him. We have, we have talked a lot through the years and shared the word of God on this giant Goliath that David faced. And the battle was the Lord's and he slew Goliath. But we don't hear much about that second giant, Ishbi Benob. If you've never heard that name before, I, I'm not surprised. We don't hear much about him. He had David in a situation where he could, where he could have cut his throat, except God's people intervened. We don't know why, but, but it could be that with Goliath, the battle was the Lord's. And just maybe with Ishbi Benob, the battle was David's. Uh, well, we don't know what it is, but nevertheless, these things happen. We, whatever the case, we must fight in the strength of the Lord against the enemy that we have. We must always have on the armor of God. For everything we face all the time. You know, just as the unsaved must first realize that they're lost to see their need of Christ. What is so typical for the Christian many times is that we must stop and consider, be refreshed on these wiles of the devil, the deception of Satan, so that we will see our need for wearing, for always using, being protected by the armor of God. We sometimes forget that we are always in battle. We are on a battlefield while we are on this earth 
until we go to be with the Lord. Yet, when things go smooth for a while, maybe our needs are met. We have a little money left over. Maybe our relationships seem to be going real smooth. Maybe we have a season of good health and this isn't bothering us and that isn't bothering us. And don't get me wrong, we, we pray for that. We pray for those good things for God's people. And it's good when God heals. But it's bad if we neglect to see our need for the armor of God during a smooth time because the battle is still going on. We can't forget about the fight. We can so easily get lulled into putting life on cruise control. We start thinking, maybe indirectly, but we start thinking there's victory without the armor of God. Because things are going so good. And that sets us up to suffer defeat. You know, there, there's a lot more to the battle than how much cash we do or don't have. There's a lot more to the battle of how much conflict we are apparently facing or not facing in our lives. Every child of God is always at war. There are no exceptions. There are no intermissions to this. And God is calling our attention to this truth in His Word... So that we might be refreshed. He is speaking to us through his spirit. And when we read this portion of the word. That we might always remember. Take up the armor of God. Have the armor of God on. We always need protection in this battle. And the help comes from God. Take up your armor. That's what the Lord is saying throughout this. You know, you think of an actual soldier. A soldier is never expected to go out after the enemy with his two fists. The soldier is given protection and, and given weapons and shown how to use them. Everything that the soldier needs is provided for them. They are to simply take it up and to put it on. And to use it. They're taught how to put it on quickly. They are taught how to use their weapons. He only needs to put it on. It's the only way a soldier is going to survive in battle. It's the only way the soldier will win. He can't win without his armor. And the soldier of the Lord must put his or her armor on in evil days. It's a time of evil days and our armor must be put on against a very wicked, deceiving enemy. With the armor of God, the Christian can stand, can stand against Satan. You know, to be faithful to the Lord, to trust the Lord and to be faithful to him is to obey him, is to have the armor on and to use it. To use it for God's glory. To look like a soldier of the Lord. That's what he's looking to make us to be. And we must have our armor on. We ought to be obedient to the Lord in this. And utilize it. 
Most of us know maybe one, two, five, ten Christians who have fallen. Very possibly. Maybe all of us know a dozen Christians who have fallen. They're out of the fight. They're out of God's will, possibly. They have been deceived by the wiles of the devil. And they are losing. Everyone's thinking about someone, probably. Someone, every single one might be thinking about someone different. But we all probably know a Christian that way. That's in that way. I bring that up just to say this. We're in the same battle they're in. We are in the same battle that they have fallen in. And you and I could be in the same place operating in our own ability. Maybe not the exact same situation because we all have different weaknesses. The situation you're picturing someone in, they might never be in a situation you would be taken down in or I would be taken down in. But we all have weaknesses and every single one of us could be there, whether we're in the pew, whether we're in the pulpit, whether we're teaching a class, whether we're a deacon in the church, whatever the case may be, the Apostle Paul, we might all unanimously agree, was the greatest, most active, faithful servant of the Lord there has ever been that we know of. Yet Paul's life was Christ-centered. He did the will of God. Yet he knew that he could be a castaway. All it takes to be a castaway is ignoring the armor of God. Forgetting about the fight that we're in and not being prepared for it. We're in a fight. It's going to affect every Christian no matter what. We ought to fight in the in the battle because with our armor because God says to. We ought to because because it's going to affect us no matter what. When I played football in 8th grade, I had a pretty good year. Seventh grade, my first year was a different story. I feel like I was more athletic than some of the guys that were first string. But I don't know what it was. I don't know if my bones were hollow or what, but I was as light as a feather. During tackling drills, they would throw me. They knew they were going to. I knew they were going to. I would just get ready to withstand it, and they would throw me. So I kept the bench quite warm during my seventh grade year. I'll never forget a very muddy football game that we had. It was so muddy, my pants were as white as can be, not a speck on them. So many people were muddy. Jonathan Woods, the running back, best player on the team, fighting the hardest out there. At timeout, he came over. Mud was sliding down his, the outside of his pants. And he came, and he sat down by me, and his legs slapped up against mine, and that mud went all over my pants and down my leg, and I was so happy. <laughs> Man, when no one was looking, I rubbed it around more. 
I felt like I was in the fight. You know, there's, there's a place on God's first string team for every Christian. There's, there's no such thing as a bench player in God's eyes. He wants everyone first string and, and out there on the field. If any Christian is withering away on the bench, we put ourselves there. God didn't. I wanted to be in that game so bad. And, and we have instructions from, from God. God has prepared us. We need to be in this fight. We need to be in this fight and not on the bench. The fight's here. It's going to affect us. We might as well get up and fight. We need to obey God and get up and fight. We must prevent the destruction from coming over our lives. Because our enemy will destroy us easily on our own. So the command is... To put on the whole armor of God. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. And I see five. I, I see five plus two. I see seven pieces of armor here. That make up the whole armor of God. We start. In the beginning of verse 14, and we go down and we see having our loins girt about with truth. We call this the belt of truth, a piece of the armor. And then there's the breastplate of righteousness. And, and then there's having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And don't forget the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And that seventh one, don't forget that I see, I see some armor of prayer. That we are to put on and to have. These, these are pieces of armor that are provided for us by God. He has told us about them. He has provided this spiritual armor for you and I. Is that enough for us to know that we're in a spiritual battle? And that we need this? This alone tells us we're in a spiritual battle. All of this armor tells us that we have a very dangerous enemy that is very powerful. So we're to suit up and we're to stand in this fight by having our loins girt about with truth. The belt of truth. I don't mind calling it that. I don't mind a belt. Man, a belt works out real good. It, it keeps the pants up. It keeps the shirt down. You can tuck a couple of shirts, undershirt, your overshirt in. And you cinch that belt up and you're good to go. Holds all your clothes together. I like a belt. It's not cool if you're a teenager to tuck your shirt in, though. And I guess even see a belt. I don't know. I don't, I don't see anybody, any kids with their name on their belt anymore. Yeah, things come and go. I like a belt, though. Holds everything together. 
You know, in the day Paul wrote this and before this, when you thought about a soldier, these soldiers did not wear pants and they didn't wear shirts. They wore this one long, big, boxy type of robe. And that wasn't ideal for battle. It would get in the way. It would cause some problems. So they would take this thing, this tunic, they would call it, and and they would bunch it together and they would put that belt outside it and they would get that thing as close to them as they could and they would cinch that belt. They would gird about or fasten in the tunic by the belt. It was a physical belt. It was a leather belt, okay? It was it was physical to gird up the loins today. We're talking about something mental and we're talking about something spiritual. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Paul's day, the soldier's belt, look, this was a literal belt. I'm not saying he's talking about that. He's, he's speaking spiritually. But a soldier did have that leather belt. In the armor of God, this belt is truth. Thank God for absolute truth. When we try to stand in the ability of our flesh, we fall. We will fall like any Christian would. When we stand in the truth, we are able to endure. And we're able to experience victory over an enemy who's greater than you and I. The word of God is truth. We need knowledge of the truth. We need to get knowledge. We, need, we don't know we don't know the, the comforting promises of God. We can't claim those until we get knowledge of them. I came to a desperate time in my young Christian life and I needed some comfort. I needed a promise. And I was a young Christian. I didn't, I didn't know one of them except that Jesus has saved me. That's about all I knew. But praise the Lord, some, someone gave me a book of King James Version verses of God's comfort. And man, I, 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 it, it just wasn't enough for me to read them. I wrote them down. Even though I had them in a book there, I wrote them down. And knowing all that I had in, in the promises of God. Thank God for His truth. We need knowledge of the truth. And we're sanctified by the truth. We're set apart. We, we're, we're made to become who we're supposed to be in the Lord by His truth, by His word. Oh, we need to pick up His word more. And, and read His truth. Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Oh, we need it because the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's after every Christian, but but which ones look like an easy catch, an easy capture? Maybe Christians who aren't grounded in the truth catch their catch his eye, and they're easily brought down. By Satan and taken captive. It's dangerous not to know the truth. Granddaddy says something along the lines of, of 
the most miserable Christian is the one who doesn't grow in the truth. They're more miserable than the unsaved. We desperately need truth. And the Lord has given us his truth. We, we have his truth. He has made it known to us. He wants us to have it. His Holy Spirit teaches us his truth. He helps us to apply his truth to our lives. He wants us to be able to wear it and apply it. To cinch up this belt of truth. It's the foundation for all of this. For all of this armor. It holds that truth is the foundation for it all. Without it, we're tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And we're deceived by lies. If we're not wearing and able to use this belt of truth. Satan deceived Eve. And he deceived many today. We, got to know, we have to know, unfortunately, Satan deceived many Christians throughout this day today. Many made wrong decisions because he was trying to help influence the wrong choice to make. Looking to destroy. You know, we don't really need to examine the lies of this world. We don't really need to, to look into the doctrines, the teachings of other religions. We need to look into the word of God. And when we know the word of God and we hear this in the world, we hear that in the world, we hear something about some religion. All of a sudden, it's destroyed by absolute truth. It's countered by this. We'll be more effective not by studying other religions and, and how to dispute with them. But just by knowing the truth. And putting a dead end at everything that doesn't agree with the truth of God. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for Bible truth. That it's given to us. That we know it. We, we can know every single thing we need to know about God and spiritual matters right now. The Bible teaches us about our condition of sin. The Bible teaches us about God's cure for sin. The Bible teaches us about Christ and his forgiveness for our sins. The Bible teaches the Christian about the Christian's eternal home in heaven. The Bible teaches about an eternal fire for the unsaved that they will be in for eternity. The preacher used to hold up his dark red Bible and he would say, your Bible is to be read. And he was saying nothing about the color of the Bible, but that we should be reading the Bible, that we should read it. We should rejoice in the word of God. We should repeat the word of God. We need to respect the word of God. We need to reflect the word of God in our lives. The word of God is truth. Another little thought in this. We need to be true to the truth. We're to be committed and sincere to the truth. We're to be filled with the wonder of faith. Rather than worry over the future. 
I know worry is a difficult thing to deal with. But I, I, but I must say, it's a sign that we're not in God's word as much as we should be. If we worry over the future more than wonder over our faith. I guess my dad was just blessed with something he inherited. It was a blessing and a curse. He didn't worry at all. But he didn't even worry about his soul for all of his life. Praise the Lord at the end of his life. Or close to it. He did make a profession of faith. There's. That's a that's a funny issue with worry, and I'm not not trying to be insensitive to anybody who has a greater issue with that than others. We're to be true to the truth, though. If truth is going to defend us, we must be devoted to it. Just to be delivered from our sins does not mean that we will not be tripped and trapped and taken captive and defeated. It takes being a true disciple to win these battles against Satan. And the most important thing about winning battles, it's, it's not because it's good for us, but it brings glory to God. When we win a battle against Satan, the devil knows it wasn't us. When we win a battle against Satan, he's not saying... He's not saying that Jamie's one tough customer there. I, can't, I can get everybody else, but I can't mess with him. He knows it wasn't us. He knows he's greater and smarter and stronger than every single one of us. He knows it was in the strength of the Lord that we won that battle. He knows we didn't give in to pride and say, I can do this myself and I can face this myself because, because we go down defeated when we do that. So he knows that the only one who can defeat him is living and moving and dwelling and active in every single one of us and we're trusting him and we're leaning on him whenever we win our battles. And it throws another log. On the eternal fire for Satan. That he's going to be thrown into one day. God is pictures his justification of saving us again. Every time we win a battle in him. And we trust in him. The Lord. And the devil. Had a talk. Had a talk over. What the devil was doing out in this world. As in, what are you doing, Satan? Well, I'm just out there having my way with your people. Getting them off track, away from you, even destroying them. Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, you've blessed him. And you've given him all of this and all of that. Take it away and he'll curse you to your face. Go ahead. Go ahead, Satan. Just don't kill him. 
And he goes after him and he takes his family and he, he takes all of his wealth and his cattle, all of his belongings. He takes his health from him and he's in misery, misery. But he never sinned against God nor charged God foolishly. It may be, it may be that God's still using some Job's today. Those who will trust in him and be able to weather and endure the battle and have rewards for fighting our battles with the truth. We're renewed in the mind by the truth of God when we embrace truth. When we're faithful to the word of God, we'll be committed to the will of God and the truth will be visible for others to see. Others will see the truth in us. We're to wear this belt of truth. The devil will see it and know that the only power that defeats him is active in us. And don't get me wrong, he's after every Christian, but we'll make for a hard target. We'll be his target, but we'll make for a harder target whenever we're walking in his truth. When we're trusting him, when we're putting on the armor of God. That's good for our lives. That's good for our testimony. That's good for our church. That's for the glory of God that we would do this. Having our loins girt about with truth. The first piece of armor. And it binds everything else together. It enables us to stand. There is a difference in being made alive in Christ and living for Christ. We are quickened. We are made alive in Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He saves us from our sins and we're made alive in Christ. But then there's another subject of living for Christ. We will only live for Christ with the whole armor of God on. In the only other church I've been a pastor in, there was a missionary that we supported and we stopped supporting that missionary and we stopped praying for that missionary. And that's because that missionary went to heaven for his faith. He died for his faith. I don't remember the details of how the testimony got conveyed, but the testimony that was conveyed was he was told to renounce Christ or he was going to die. And he said, I will never do that. And I want you to know my Savior. And he died for his faith. When we think about that, and I've heard Christians and us in conversation sit around and talk about what would we do in that situation. I, I think we might be surprised. How we would stand for our Lord and Savior. And those words just couldn't come out of our mouths. This man died for the truth. What we've got to ask is, are we living for the truth? Are we living for Christ? Are we living as a soldier of our Lord, putting on his armor, his protection, his offensive weapon that we will get into? All of these defensive weapons 
that he has given to armor up a faithful soldier. To make his truth visible. Having our loins gird about with truth. That, that can't happen for the one who has never received, humbled themselves, submitted themselves before the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news, the good news and how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. A lot of people want to want to just slide into religion and start being religious. Pride does that. A lot of things do that. But so many want to seem to want to skip salvation and go right into sanctification. But the truth of the gospel for the forgiveness of your sins must be accepted first. Jesus accepting you and you being born again and cleansed and washed and knowing that you know that you belong to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're ex- you are exempt from putting on this belt of truth tonight if you're not saved. Because you can't do it until you receive the truth of Jesus. He loves you so much and he wants to save you. And wow, I, I'm, I'm no more special than any other Christian at all. I've never doubted my salvation. I'm not being critical of those who have. I've heard that testimony before. I I don't understand it, but I've just never doubted it. And before I read 1 John, I knew I was saved. 38 times that word no is there in that book of five chapters. One of them is these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. And I read that after I knew it. And I I said, there it is right there. That's what's been bubbling up in my heart that not only have I professed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I know I'm saved and I know he lives within me. Praise God that we have a a no-so salvation in the truth of God. And then we can put on the belt of truth. We're not going to have an invitation tonight. We don't have to do that. If the Lord is dealing with your heart, Oh, the wonderful conviction of us clearly seeing and realizing we need Jesus. We need to be saved. I I don't need to just know about Jesus anymore. I want to know him. And I trust him tonight as my Lord and Savior. I I don't see how you could leave the place without, without shouting it from the mountaintops. Or to the mountaintops from here. Whatever you want to say. But praise God for what he has given us. For a battle that we are in. That armor. That protects us. That gives us victory. Successes in the battle. Amen. Brother Tim Stone. uh, Would you close our service in a word of prayer tonight. God bless you all. Pray for the Villas ministry tomorrow. Our youth.
Friday night and all the prayer requests we have. Love you all.